So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Tell me what brought you to the conference. Well, I try to hit every educational opportunity I can. And of course, conferences is one way to do that. Uh, this one in particular because it incorporates uh, the Washington State Commissioners, which are our bosses. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is a time for us uh, not only to get together with other fire districts and bring my staff here to also collaborate, but um, got the fellowship and the educational opportunity all rolled up into one. Yeah, so wonderful. don't get always an opportunity to have all, all my commissioners in one place and be able to chat over dinner about what's going on in the department and the district and our community. Wonderful. And tell me about, uh, uh, introduce yourself if you could, and tell us the context of where you work and some statistics about your people and Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Eric Hicks. I'm the fire chief of King County Fire District 20. We are a unique fire department. We are a combination department, which is situated right in the middle of Seattle, um, Renton, and the city of Tukwila. Uh, we are three square miles with about 20,000 residents. Okay. Uh, we have a major highway going through our district. Uh, we do a lot of automatic mutual aid with Tukwila and with Renton. And again, what makes us unique is that combination part of our department where we still have volunteers in an urban setting, which makes our department very desirable for people trying to get into the fire service um, that want that real, that urban feel and that city feel. Because uh, like I said, we respond to the Renton Airport, to Boeing, um, to VMAC, where the Seahawks are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're very uh, fortunate to have a variety and a, a diverse calls. And then also our community is very diverse as well. That's amazing. I'm constantly being asked by people um, about, uh, I want to become an EMT. I want to become a firefighter. How do I do it? And I say, well, go to a volunteer department and they'll put you through your EMT training for free, potentially, or your training. They'll get you started. And they're, they live in urban centers and they, they don't have access to being volunteers because you can't leave the city to make a rig for a call. And not all departments have the uh, residency programs and the sleepover and things like that. So you can make calls. So that's fantastic. I didn't know that existed. Yeah, it still does. Uh, we're barely hanging on to our volunteer program because uh, we're so successful and our volunteers getting hired that our numbers are shrinking fast. Oh, wow. So we've actually had to hire more career firefighters. And to anyone looking to become a firefighter, they can't be shy about it. You know, they have to knock on the doors of the fire station. They have to look for a mentor. Mm -hmm. They have to ask questions. Uh, they can't wait for it to come to them. They have to go out and get it. That's really great. I appreciate that you brought up mentorship because that's what I hope to do is connect all of these people that ask me that question. So speaking of people then, tell me, um, have you guys been able to surround yourself with the right people? How is recruitment and retention going for you? Recruitment is, is easy. Mm -hmm. It's the retention part. You mm -hmm. know, again, uh, with the amount of volunteers that are getting hired, uh, we would do a class of a volunteer academy with eight people and end up at two at the end and spend about $30,000 in overtime for the academy, mm -hmm. which, you know, mathematically, that doesn't really that's, work out. Yeah, that's not a good return on <laughs> investment. It's, it's yeah. a bittersweet because it's yeah. like my children. When they uh -huh. get hired somewhere, it's, it's a great feeling for them to call me and say, Chief, I got a conditional offer. And, you know, it's bittersweet for our department sure. for that to happen. Sure. I, I think it's important for departments like yours to embrace that role, though. There are certain departments that are sort of pass-throughs where uh, we start people off, we put them through the training, and the sooner do we get them trained, then they leave and they go elsewhere. And I think that's, that's a fact, and that's, hard, that's a hard road to handle. But 
maybe there's a way to lean into that, to embrace it and to say, like, we take pride in training people really well. We take pride in when they go into these other agencies. And by the way, maybe those other agencies could throw us a bone in some way, maybe give us some consideration or something. Yeah, that's funny you say that, because that's exactly what's been talked about a lot, but yeah. it never happens. <laughs> oh, gosh, I know. I I want to fix everything. <laughs> and it's like, but Okay, so... Uh, tell me about your purpose. Do you think that the members of your agency have a shared purpose and they're moving toward that purpose? I believe we do, mostly because a lot of our career staff actually were born through the volunteer program. Mm -hmm. So for many years, um, our career firefighters only hired from our volunteer staff. So we, we know them very well. We know their personalities, their work ethic. Mm -hmm. And so when we hire them, we're very confident that they're not only going to pass the career academy, mm -hmm. but they're going to make great firefighters and great employees for the community, yeah. which has worked out well for us. And getting back to the volunteer side of things is when we do our banquet every year, we call them alumni and have uh -huh. them come back for the banquet. Oh, I, I'm clapping. I'm literally yes. clapping right now. That is amazing. <laughs> I have not yet clapped on the podcast, but that is very nice. I yes. love that. That's, yes. that's great. That is really embracing then this idea that you're training people well and you've got a lasting relationship even if they're no longer active in your department. Yes. Perfect. How about the path ahead? What Do you, do you have a clear path ahead? Do you see where you're going or um, are you still working on that picture? We are definitely working on that picture. Um, our success has kind of been the death of us a little bit because, mm -hmm. again, we're down. We started out with 30 volunteers about five years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, we're down to eight volunteers today. Mm -hmm. And again, they're getting hired all the time, so it's hard yeah. to hold on to them. So we've actually hired more career firefighters to shore up our, our staffing, which is working out great for us. But that next step on a volunteer program is what we're really looking at mm -hmm. right now. Uh, we don't have, we, I kind of cut off the mailing list and applications right now because we just don't have the capacity to do another career or another volunteer academy and lose a bunch of people at the end. Yeah. How about uh, any sort of merger opportunities with other volunteer agencies, maybe sending people to their academy or bringing, you know, splitting that? Any possibilities? <laughs> yes, that's one of the things we talked about. There's um, a few other fire districts um, in our, what we call Zone 3, South King County, mm -hmm. which is Enumclaw and Mountain View Fire and Rescue. Mm -hmm. And they are actually in the same boat as we are as far mm -hmm. as, you know, how do we maintain a program when people mm -hmm. are getting hired so fast? Yeah. You know, and so outside of Zone 3, we really haven't collaborated with any other volunteer departments. Oh, wow. Uh, interesting. Someone that was just here uh, is going to be part of the podcast is the exact opposite problem. They have great retention, but very few recruits. Mm. Smaller, much more rural. So there's less of a pool of population to add to it. But they've worked on that culture, uh, the culture of family and cultivating really keeping people in and so of course it's a very different thing you're training the rest of the world basically right. yeah so well thank you so much for coming on the podcast today i really appreciate your oh, time you're very welcome thanks for having me of course. so don thank you so much for being here today what brought you to the conference what made you pick this conference uh well we are a fire district so we have five fire commissioners and they would like to attend this conference and they would like me to attend with them Okay. All right. And can you uh, introduce yourself in terms of the department that you work for, maybe some statistics about what you do? Sure. Um, I am the fire chief of Mountain View Fire and Rescue. Uh, we are in southeast King County, a more rural agency. We have 70 square miles, uh, about 35 firefighters at this time. 
and uh, I came to this department three years to, three years ago as a deputy chief. Previously, was with Tequila Fire for 17 years, and in March, I took over as the fire chief. Okay, all right. And uh, Eric recommended you. He said he's he's bragging on you and says you're the first female fire chief in King County. So congratulations well, for you. that. And thank you for choosing to go up to that level because I think there's a lot of really talented and wonderful women that are in fire and EMS and police and they just they like what they're doing and they don't necessarily uh, promote up so I'm always really pleased that you made those choices so thank you um, so today we're asking people about people purpose and path and so I wonder mm -hmm. if you can tell me do you have the people that you need are you getting them are you recruiting them and retaining them I, I actually feel very good about the people that we're bringing on. So uh, three years ago when I started, we had 24 firefighters. We're at 35 now. So okay. it's six, a significant increase that is. in the number of firefighters. And the success rate is very high. Um, we've done a really good job of um, recruiting. And I feel like what I'm doing is bringing on people that I would like to work with. Mm -hmm. And I still strive every day to make my job more fun and more enjoyable. Fun is sometimes a bad word because it makes it seem like we're not being responsible, but I'm looking for people who will, will help enhance that environment for our firefighters because my job overall is really to make our firefighters' uh, job more enjoyable and they serve the public way better when they're having a good time with their job. And so if I can find people with that same mentality where they're here for the right reason, not just to be in a job, but to actually be in a family, I think that that serves the community better. Super sorry about that's okay. that. okay. I was like, that's the first time that door has opened this whole day. <laughs> no, it's and okay. I saw it happening and I thought it's not going to hit her. Oh, no, it's, sorry. it's okay. So, okay. All right. Uh, so uh, we've covered people. Well, actually, I'd like to go back to what you said. You're hiring people that you want to work with. Mm -hmm. I think that's a fantastic sentiment. How are you finding them? Um, I think it's just through our, uh, well, Two, twofold. We are just, I, I'm part of the interview panel, so I get to kind of experience people when they're at their most stressful point, which is the interview process. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of look through the nervousness and get to the people who actually have enthusiasm in their character and in their mm -hmm. voice. But overall, if I meet someone in the, just in the world in general, and they seem like someone who's uh, athletic in their in their nature who seemed like they were fit enough to do mm -hmm. the job I just ask them if it's something they'd be interested in pursuing yeah and then at that point I steer them towards doing a ride-along with us so we're doing almost a ride-along a day with wow. the public or either firefighters potential firefighters or people from the public who just mm -hmm. want to know more about the department I think that just reaches more people mm -hmm. people who just have that drive to to get more involved with something they're unsure about. And that actually gives me a lot of confidence in them too. If they're willing to stick their neck out and come right along and mm -hmm. meet our people, they're gonna be more successful in the interview as well. Wonderful. I have a, a great opportunity to talk to EMT trainees and fire science students at the community college where I teach. And they're asking questions like, you know, how do I get the job? And I'm like, well, first of all, go ride along. Mm -hmm. The departments love it when you show an interest in them. And more importantly, if it's not the right department for you, then you'll figure it out on the ride-along. Right. So kudos for doing as many yeah. ride-alongs as you're doing. Yeah. yeah. 
and you, anyone that wants to, any, I'm willing to help anyone yeah. who wants to get better at the interview process or the testing mm-hmm. process. I don't always have as much time as I did when I was uh, newer in the department, but mm-hmm. um, I'll find them the right person for sure, too. All so. right. I uh, am now imagining contacting you down the road for another podcast oh, on perfect. that topic. Okay. So, yeah, Sounds that's good. wonderful. Okay. How do you feel your department is doing with regard to having a shared purpose? Do you feel like you're moving towards something together with a shared purpose? Yeah, I think that that's... I think that our folks hear about it all the time from me. I really want them to enjoy their job. And we have a mission, vision, values, and I don't care if they memorize what the mission, vision, values are, but I can just tell by interacting with them daily if they're really enjoying what they're doing at the fire department. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, and it's just getting enough time. Like, I wish I had more time to go and have yeah. lunch with them and interact with them more daily. Yeah. Right now, it's uh, every other day or every few days, I really get on their morning meeting where all the firefighters are kind of having a Zoom call just because we're all so remote. But we, uh, I like to just get some FaceTime with them. Mm-hmm. and. And if something's wrong, they, everyone already knows that they can't come to me with a complaint. And if I hear about some complaint, mm-hmm. I challenge them to fix it. So we don't have to worry about complaints mm-hmm. anymore. We're we're at this process right now where our department is on the move on just improving overall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the environment is really good right now. So don't come to you with a complaint. Come no. to you with a solution. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a great plan. Yeah. Okay. And how about the path for the future? Do you see where your department's going? Do you feel like you have a clear path? Are you still working on it? Um, well, I always say that I don't exactly know what my next step forward is, but I know what's been in my rearview mirror. And I know that I'm not going to repeat errors that I've seen in the past. Not necessarily just mine, but ones that I've experienced in my other department. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we're in a point where we're collaborating so much with the other entities that we serve. So we serve the city of Black Diamond and we serve the Muckleshoot Reservation. And to me, it's like we have three different fire departments. So the opportunity with all three entities, our district and the city and the, and the tribe, has been so good. And we, we interact with all three with public events and I attend all the elected official meetings that I can. Mm-hmm. And I think we're just at a really good trajectory right now. So. That sounds fantastic. I, I, I literally feel bad sometimes because I always say, hey, I don't mean to come across like I'm too happy about things, but the positive direction for our department is there right now. And I'm just I'm just kind of helping steer the ship, but the, the folks in the department are really the ones who are driving the enthusiasm. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing your time yeah. today. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Okay, Chief. Well, thanks so much for uh, agreeing to be on the podcast. Uh, We spoke yesterday, and so you know a little bit about what we're doing here. But I wanted to talk to you about your people, your purpose, and your path. So can you talk to me about your people? Are you getting what you need when you're hiring? Are you recruiting and retaining people? Uh, we are getting what we need hiring. We're, we're in the process, like most departments, uh, there is a nationwide shortage of paramedics. And we are hiring basically only paramedics currently. Um, we've struggled uh, in our retention because we are a small rural fire department. We don't pay as much as some of the larger departments. Some departments are paying $15,000 signing bonuses and things like that. And they have a $10,000 a year raise uh, or $10,000 more wage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they're getting through our program. They're getting through probation. We get them through the JETC program, which is here, you know, become a journeyman firefighter. And then they go to a larger department. So we're backfilling. Um, you know, in rural departments, it takes a special type of person to want to stay in a rural department. You know, we have the longest uh, uh, transports, the longest uh, uh, 
trips and and it's it's we don't have a two minute transport. It's our average call is two hours long. Okay, um, where we're going. So it's 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 a challenge to get people uh, who want to work in those type of situations. Uh, we don't have new stations. We uh, it's we don't have big big brand new fire engines all the time and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, it's a it's almost like a junior league for mm-hmm. a, a, a part. And and if you ask. Lots of chiefs from smaller departments, it's the same thing. Yeah, and that is definitely what I'm hearing. You said a lot of things about what you don't have, mm-hmm. and I know it's a real struggle to compete with wages and so on like that. Um, what do you have or what would you like to have to help uh, attract these people? Well, we, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a positive place to work. We have a lot of fantastic uh, employees, uh, team members. They, uh, they're from our district. Uh, the biggest the biggest issue we have is people that if they come in and they're not from the area, mm-hmm. you know, they come in from Seattle or Tacoma or very uh, uh, big cities uh, where there's a lot of people, and then they come out and it's, you know, very rural. It's a different world for them, so they tend to want to go someplace else. But the people that are there are very close-knit. They're tight-knit. They're, uh, you know, with only a maximum of 30 career firefighters, everybody knows everybody's name, their kid's name, what sports they're in. Uh, things like that. So we, they all live. A lot of them live in the district. So it's their people that yeah. they're treating. You know, if if you if you hear a call go out, everybody knows the address. Yeah. Uh, in the whole district, out of 140 square miles, I could tell you that that that's the, the whoever's the Johnsons, the Smiths, uh, yeah, whatever. So, so they know that. So that's one of the big benefits to that. And it takes a certain amount of buy-in for people to to want to be in that type of. Uh, situation you know so we actually have had very uh, high success hiring people from eastern washington who don't want to work in larger cities they're used to the rural area long transports long responses and actually treating uh patients for a long period of time as opposed to just o2 iv sirene and getting them to the hospital i think it's interesting to to think about places that are inner city and and talk about their progressive protocols and all of the amazing skills and wonderful things they can do in carrying blood and and operating independently on some of these things and yet with such a short transport you never get past oxygen and nitro you never get to the fibrinolytics you never get to the blood products and things like that because transports are so short so there's this real uh personal challenge that you undertake to be a paramedic in a rural area with such long transport times and making, you know, going all the way through your protocol and then recycling and starting all over again. Right. Yeah. I spent 24 years in Seattle. Yeah. And so with the Medic One program, which is an incredible program, but yeah, you see that all the time. It was at that time, it was Seattle and it was Phoenix and a couple other places doing all the major studies. Uh But yet again, it's a two minute transport. Exactly. You know, so you're not seeing all that stuff. You know, you'll you stay on scene long enough because the ERs don't want a patient that's not innovated sure. and has two lines in if it's trauma. Yeah. You know, whereas, well, we have plenty of time to put lines in mm-hmm. and, and uh, all that stuff because it's a 45-minute transport. We, we yeah. cover from the, the base of Mount Rainier, ALS, the base of Mount Rainier, all the way to Roy. So it's a, uh, our ALS is a, a 210 square miles. Okay. So we have a you know long transports. Uh, so you get to you definitely fill out that entire aid report when it comes to the flowchart of <laughs> vitals and and meds and drugs and yeah. things like that. Absolutely. Do you feel a common purpose in your department? Do you feel like your people are they have a shared purpose in what they're doing? Yes, we we've, we've been in a transition for a while. We've had uh, I've I've been I've been at South Pierce now for just over three years, and before that, we had the interim fire chief, and they had a, a four year chief before that. So there's been a lot of transition from 
leadership style to leadership style. Um, but since I've been there in the last three years, I've hired one third of all the firefighters and paramedics. Okay. So we are working on changing the culture. We're reorganizing the fire department, going to shift battalion chiefs instead of daytime assistants. So for the safety of the firefighters and coordinating with the surrounding fire departments, such as Graham and Central Pierce and Ashford LB. So we're going more in their uh, leadership style and command structure. So there's a, a lot of things that are positive about it. Um, you know, but like anything else, you have a culture, there's a few people People that are that, that fear change firefighters what do they fear most is change yeah and uh, uh, but but I think overall with uh, with the support of uh, our fire commissioners we have very strong support from the fire commissioners and our, our admin staff has had some turnover but right now it's working really well together we're we've just finalized two contracts uh, contract with Eatonville. We're going to work on annexing the, the town of Eatonville next year, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll be whole. Our fire district, we won't have any other cities, towns, anything in it. It will be just South Pierce Fire and Rescue, so that'll ease up on some of the other political tensions that go on with small towns and things like mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, I think everybody is positive going in the same direction, but, you know, you're always going to have a naysayer here, too. That's, that's uh, unfortunately, you're, you can't make everybody happy as a fire chief, but uh, I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. Okay. And you've talked about direction. You talked about what you're hoping to do with annexing other areas. Do you have a path that you're on or are you still seeking that path? Do you see five years, 10 years down the road? Well, yeah, we're, we're already looking at five, five to 10 years down the road. Uh, there's a big uh, push in Pierce County for uh, merging fire departments, regional fire authorities. Uh, we have some excellent uh, fire chiefs that are in larger departments that are working together. Uh, they're doing regional training facilities, uh, joint training. Uh, so they're, they're moving towards, and then and mul- multiple uh, fire departments have the same union already in mm-hmm. our department. So they're just bargaining units in the same, same local. So there's a lot of continuity between them already. So I, I would forecast, you know, within five plus years, there's a good chance that South Pierce may be part of whatever they're going to call uh, the, the larger department. Uh, just because for the citizens right now, everything is based, our, our budget's based on uh, assessed value. And uh, being an all rural fire department with 24,000 people in 140 square miles, mostly rural, uh, it's a fairly small budget. So we are doing a great job with the budget that we have. But, uh, you know, we still cross staff. Uh, with two people cross staff engines and medics so Mm -hmm. medical aid jump on the medic unit fire you jump on the engine with a minimum staffing of six people for 140 square miles wow Um, if we were to be a part of a larger uh department uh they would fully staff an engine four-person engine company as well as a two-person medic unit so you double your your ability to respond uh, you know things like that It, uh, it might cost a little bit more money but overall the service would increase just because of the sheer numbers and the budget that they have all right. We have the smallest budget of any career fire department in the county by far. Okay. How, uh, how's your community uh, relations within the, this large area that you cover, uh, lower population, giant area, but how's your relationship with the community? What kind of outreach do you do? Oh, we have a fantastic uh, relationship with our community. We just uh, last year passed an EMS levy with the highest percentage ever. Okay. Uh, we just passed a, a fire levy lift this, uh, this year with mm-hmm. uh, the highest percentage ever. Um, I believe the annex next year is going to fly through. Uh, we are very involved, uh, even with our, our low staffing, uh, we are involved with uh, lots of public events. Uh, we are 
working towards you know transitioning from pub pub education to CRR community risk reduction. Okay. Um, so we're working towards that, uh, uh, adding events, mm-hmm. uh, being involved. We do a lot of. I mean, we've probably done 15 trunk or treats. We do uh, high schools, school visits, home schools, mm-hmm. um, rodeos, everything you can think of. We're involved with. And uh, again, the nice thing about that is we go to football games. Uh, our, our some of our our firefighters coach all the peewee football so we're going to football games we're out there all the time and uh so and and, and the support shows it through through our uh, social media and uh things like that so it's uh, we do a great job with the people that we have and it's that that's just going to increase as we move forward that's wonderful well you uh said that it's okay for me to come down and interview you there and i'd really like to do that and learn more about your department yeah, if you got a whole day, because it takes a whole day to drive around the <laughs> drive around the department. It's a it's a it's a big department. Um, there's a lot of good things going on. You know, we're ch- again we're challenged in some ways, but I think the attitude uh, of the department overall, again, with the commissioners and everybody, is moving forward, and it's gonna it's gonna do nothing but get better um, once we get the annex complete, and then uh, we'll just have to start greasing the wheels for the for the future. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Good morning, Chief. Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Can you introduce yourself, uh, your department, and the context that you're here at the conference? Sure. My name's Bob Holman. Uh, I am currently a fire commissioner with Graham Fire and Rescue mm-hmm. down uh, South Pierce County. Okay. Yeah. And give me some statistics about uh, Graham Fire and Okay, sure. Um, Graham Fire is, uh, covers 70 square miles. Mm-hmm. We have 107 firefighters uh, in suppression with obviously a support staff of about 20. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mix of, you know, ur- uh, kind of a difference between urban and rural. I mm-hmm. mean, we kind of make that transition because some of it's urban, some of it's rural, mostly rural, I would say. Um, we provide all kinds of services b- besides your fire and EMS. We also have a combined hazmat team. Um, we have a little bit of a water rescue team um, that I'd like to see uh, enhanced mm-hmm. because we have a lot of wa- bodies of water and, and we don't currently have anything but surface water. Mm-hmm. And um, so we provide a full range of services there. Um, we have a, a paramedic program. Um, that's one of our challenges to recruit and retain paramedics. Um, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's a regular community, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're here today talking about people, purpose, and path. Mm-hmm. And so the first question I have is, uh, you mentioned already that you're having some difficulty recruiting. Um, can you talk about your challenges in recruiting and, uh, how is retention going for you? So our challenges in recruiting tend to be a little bit more centered around the paramedic field. Um, we've been struggling with this for, gosh, I've only been a commissioner for four years, but ever since I was a commissioner, this has been kind of a focus. Um, and it has a lot to do, uh, initially, I think we were underpaying the paramedics, so we would train them. Mm-hmm. They'd go through the program, and they'd see something better and more money, and they'd leave. Um, so we we worked on the CBA um, for Graham to in improve the differential for paramedics. Um, we've gotten to the point now where we're offering uh, $15,000 hiring bonuses for paramedics, wow. um, lateral paramedics, so mm-hmm. we don't they don't have to go through the school. And so that's actually been um, fairly successful the last two hires. We've, we've been able to get 
three last time and three this time. Um, so it looks like that's working. And because the incentives spread over time, um, we're guaranteed to at least have them for a few years before they decide to leave. We're hoping that that doesn't happen. But um, <clears throat> I think people, the culture, Graham, were growing leaps and bounds. So since I got on the board in the last four years, we went from having 17 people on shift to having 34 people on shift. Wow. Yeah, so we've almost doubled our force. Mm-hmm. Um, we've passed the uh, FBC or fire benefit charge, so our, our funding mechanism has been... Uh, 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 shored up, mm-hmm. so um, funding stable. We're get we're we're getting new stations. We're buying new rigs. So the morale of the whole fire department has just increased uh, a thousand times, and I think that's going to be huge for our retention. Mm-hmm. We have a great um, public relations gal, Brianna. She does a great job of um, social media and. Mm-hmm. and uh, She's known in the fire service all over the place because of the job she does, and I think that helps. I think people mm-hmm. see what Graham's doing. They get excited about it. And then with, um, because of our new funding mechanisms and, and the, the, our staffing levels being increased, um, we're doing a lot more regionally. It really opened the door when we stopped having two-person engine companies and cross-staffing the rigs and doing all that to make it a little bit um, more desirable for other departments to say hey you know we can include you now basically yeah okay because they're never you know it's the whole thing is we don't want to call for a ladder truck when we think there's only going to be two people on it yeah or not staffed or whatever you know so you upgrade the consistency and and uh you know you're going to get called more and as a commissioner you're really (coughs) responsible in the 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 money basically how the money goes out how do you make those decisions on what upgrades to make obviously the hiring and the paramedic recruitment and so on but um getting your staffing up how do you how do you get that funded how do you uh get people to pay more well actually um so i don't know if you're familiar with the fire benefit charge um we used to have just regular taxation uh where you know you'd have a hundred and a dollar fifty per thousand max, um, and then you'd have an MNO or an EMS levy. We passed a, a permanent EMS levy. Gosh, I bet you it's been ten years. So we always have that to rely on. And when we, we had an MNO uh, maintenance operation, and um, when we when we did the FBC, what that does is it it puts more of the onus of the funding on the commercial businesses um, and the large properties, and it's based on the fire response. It's a square footage charge that every home pays. It's it's fair to everybody. And what that ultimately does is it lowers your assessed valuation collection to a dollar per thousand. And then you collect the FBC. So most residential properties actually took a reduction in taxes when we went to the, went to the FBC. So that obviously benefits, you know, 80% of the population, of course, to commercial properties. Um, pay a little bit more because a uh, fire response at a multifamily dwelling or a, or a strip mall or whatever, you know, requires more resources. So it's a super easy sell for the, for the constituents on funding. It's consistent, which is nice because this year we've took a drop in our assessed valuation, um, which you never like to see in a, in a fire department, but I think it's probably statewide, if not everywhere and what we can do then is we can adjust the fire benefit charge price to to level out our budget so we never take a drop in budget we never have to lay people off we can adjust that to legitimately um, 
provide service. The nice part about it is when we passed it, we said we would, we would not use, um, it would not exceed 25% of our budget. It can statutorily um, go to 40%. Mm-hmm. But um, we said we would go above 25. We're currently at 16, okay. um, which is great. And that's with the, the uh, raise this year of the FBC, what we're asking for. That's, this is currently coming up in November at our next meeting to approve that raise. But um, this constituents won't see, won't see a raise in their taxes. We just have to kind of um, do the show game and, and you know, yeah. raise one a little bit to cover the last. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier that your department's had an increase, a boost in morale since the staffing has yeah. improved Huge, and so on. Yeah. And how, do you think that your department has a shared purpose? Is there a sense of purpose that you're all moving forward along? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the our department, along with South Pierce, who you just talked to, yeah. Todd, their people, our people, Central Pierce's people, they're all one local. Yeah. So the firefighters are all... They're, they're technically in different bargaining units, but it's all one local, so you don't have the labor issue to, to crack when you start doing regional, um, regionalization. And so I think the firefighters are probably more, they see the uh, advantage to efficiencies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for our people, it would be a significant increase in pay if we went with Central Pierce. Um, or we did regional, and it wouldn't cost the citizens anymore. It would actually lower the, the price of the Graham constituents. So, I mean, there is a benefit to that, because I know as a board member, I, I w- retired from Renton Fire Department after 35 years, and and so it's interesting to see the difference in uh, in, in perspective, when, yeah. you know, when you're a full-time firefighter and then you go to a commissionership. But that, you know... <laughs> That's exciting. It's yeah. exciting to regionalize, and it's exciting to in- increase your efficiencies, and and they just see more op- options. So people really, I mean, the, the firefighters would do it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but we want to make sure that um, we're thoughtful in the process as we move forward with both South Pierce and Central Pierce and East Pierce. Um, that all it works for the whole entire organization. Okay. Do you? see a path forward do you know uh where you'd like to be five and ten years are you able to plan that far out yeah i think so we have a great we did our strategic plan uh actually during covid um we actually passed our fbc during covid too at a 70 percent rate which was our chief and pat dale he did a great job Mm -hmm. um you can imagine trying to market a tax during covid COVID. but on the other side people are going the fire department you know Mm -hmm. Everybody needed the fire department yeah. during that, so it was kind of a catch as catch can there. But yeah, the path forward um, is we're like I said, working for efficiencies. Now we're doing um, combined IT. Mm-hmm. We're doing communications the same. We're doing public education together. We're looking at logistics. Um, what we did a poor job of when we increased the firefighters, we didn't do a good job of support. Um, so we had to hire an HR director. We had to hire a chief financial officer. All that stuff was really firefighters that were put into those roles as they went up the ranks. And it doesn't work when you're doing a multi-million dollar budget. You know, yeah. you need to have people that actually know that work. Mm-hmm. And so we've hired some really good people. And um, so we're starting to look at all those efficiencies for logistics and, and fleet and, and uh, facilities and all those things. So, um, yeah, we can see a path forward to, you know, I could see 
the whole entire South County being just just like King County has been doing over the last few years. Um, we have a new training consortium we've just launched last year. So it's it's funny in the fire service when I started there were lines and all the chiefs wanted their kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And now it's getting so we're getting the, the right people in the right positions and they understand that it's not about that. It's mm-hmm. about what you can do and and uh, it's exciting. It, yeah. It's exciting to see that growth. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, of course. Of course. Thank I, you. I've enjoyed it. This Good. first podcast. Your I've first ever. podcast? Yeah. Uh, well, we'll make sure that you have your... <laughs> All right. Thank you both so much for being here. Thank you. Yourselves with your department and the context that brought you to the conference here. Dwan Tinius, uh, Commissioner Chair for the Hat Island Fire Department, Snohomish County Fire District 27. And Brad Tinius, uh, Commissioner and Firefighter EMT for uh, District 27. All right. Well, thank you both for being here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the unique nature of your fire department, <laughs> <laughs> your, yeah. your, your lifestyle? <laughs> um, well, I've been on, the, on this island for almost 38 years, and our district has grown from a few firefighters to now we're at uh, 38 on file, although that's not who all show up for the, um, the monthly meetings. But uh, our, our district is small um, and remote, and that's mm-hmm. the very key is remote. And we, we have no other means off the island other than by boat or if it's a helicopter. Okay. All right. And, Duan, there's a 50-year-round residence on the island, but about 250 residences. Is that right? There's actually about 50 full-time residents all year round, but there's I think there's more than 300 homes now. Homes now. Okay. Because they're barging homes over. Okay. <laughs> so. And that means that, for example, your winter population is probably closer to the 50, but in good weather, your summer population on the weekends can be closer to several hundred because of the amount of homes out there? Yeah. I would say maybe 200 in the summertime. Okay. Um, would it be the maximum. Okay. And it's, right. and it's greater on the weekends. Uh, the population rises and falls with the weekends and, of course, uh, the onset of summer. The big weekends, the three-day weekends, it um, more than doubles. So we have, we have quite, a, quite a population on those days. Okay. And we're here today talking to people coming to the conference about their people, their purpose, and their path. So my question to everyone is, how are you doing at getting the people that you want, uh, getting the service from the people that you have, recruitment and retention? That's an issue on our fire department right now because, well, our population is aging for one. And so I think a lot of people are aging out of the service. And, you know, most of our calls, like most fire departments, are 99.99% medical mm-hmm. instead of fire. And so we have very few trained uh, EMTs. We only have five that live on the island full-time, which, granted, that ratio is really good compared to town. I believe that's one EMT for every 17 (laughs) residents, basically, is how that works. Yeah, that is. But um, I think what we call 
the hobbyists that only come out once a month. It's the core group of people that manage the whole thing, and that is about 10 of us all together. Mm -hmm. So it's really small, really uh, once a month training isn't enough. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of commitment, and I think a lot of people are hesitant to make that kind of a commitment. They want the T-shirt, but they don't want to make the commitment. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So, Brad, we also are talking about the purpose. How do you think that your department um, comes together behind a shared purpose or a sense of purpose for what they're doing? Um, Especially the the core value or the purpose of the uh, fire department is is really drawn by the drawn from the pool of residents uh, resident firefighters that we have and we are all on uh, a single purpose and that is providing uh, care and uh, and most of our or 99.9 percent of our calls are all medical so we we know the it's such a small community we know the patients we feel, have empathy for our our population and our, especially our, our patients. So I think that that we really try to bring that to the whole the whole fire department, whether it's the people come out on the weekends or come out for and stay for a couple of weeks and um, and serve on the fire department. But we we as a core group have one goal in mind, and that's to, to provide service to our, our residents. It seems to me you've both said the same number, like 99% of your calls are medical, and that is an accurate statistic for you out there. And that's an interesting thing because, in general, uh, fire calls are about 20% of what fire departments do, and EMS calls are 80%, and that, you know, a few percentage points in either direction, but you're a small island with an aging population, uh, and technically there's there's not a lot of mischief to get into on Hat Island. <laughs> you know, you can go to the golf course and, and have an accident, you can have an accident at home, and of course general illness, but... Um, what you don't really have is uh, drinking establishments, uh, restaurants, uh, driving. There's not that many cars on the island. So your statistics are very interesting and stand out in this group that I've been speaking to. I wonder if both of you can tell me what you see for the path ahead, if you can imagine five or ten years down the road, or maybe what you're doing to prepare for the path ahead. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot because I work on the budget for our department. And when you come to our fire station, it's more like a museum (laughs) rather than a regular fire station because all of our equipment is old and used. So I would like to see more um, permanent residents involved in the fire department, uh, greater involvement with the community that are the the people that are there all year round and I would like to see more focused training mm-hmm. on our specific needs that's why we hired somebody to come out and do wildland fire training because that's a sp- very specific need for our island and we had a wildland fire mm-hmm. a few weeks ago so we need more focus on professional training because mm-hmm. our volunteers aren't up to the task, I don't think. Sure. 
Um, yeah, the the, um, the training. Uh, I guess I guess that what I'm thinking is the 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 able to get younger people involved is is our biggest problem, and, and it's basically because it's mostly a second home, and if to get the younger person, they either have to be working from home. <laughs> they have to be independently wealthy uh, <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> to be able to live, <laughs> to be able to live out there and um, and to make any kind of a living. So that's our that's our biggest biggest hurdle uh, that we are trying to um, get the word out to anybody who moves out there, and whether they're weekenders or not. We just try to to, to grab a hold of these people that are are becoming residents. And try to promote the fire department. Make it, make it, uh, make the fire department something that they want to be a part of. Well, I appreciate you both being here, and of course, I know you, and I love you guys. I love Hat Island, so this is particularly special for me. But we also just had an interesting experience where we sat together in a grant writing seminar here, and I have a million ideas, and you guys have just solidified a few things even more that maybe I can talk to you about. Oh, so we, that's actually been fun. We appreciate it for us to talk about. Yeah, yeah, but I we think that's definitely great. appreciate it. Thank you both for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks. You're welcome. Anytime. Anytime.